have been talking about and the theme that we're going to be talking about today. We're continuing kind of in a mini-series, and if you haven't been here, this will be kind of strange to you, but we're continuing in our mini-series, Back to the Future. And the funny thing is, is I heard that the other day on TV or something else, someone was using that, and I thought, well, that's interesting. But not in, again, not in the sense of the movie per se, but just that the Lord is pointing us back to our future. Um, that he is looking for what's down the road, but what is down the road and what the Lord has for us and what the Lord wants to do in us individually and corporately as families and as a church and as a church body um, involves not only where we are now, but where we've been and where the Lord wants us to go in the days, weeks, months, and years, whatever we have left uh, before he comes or we go with him or whatever else in that. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God, for the Logos, and for the Rhema. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are the living word. I just pray that your anointing would be present, that you anoint our ears to hear, that you would anoint my mind and my spirit, or that you would speak your word to your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And by the way, by the end, in case you think I forgot about it, um, this is the Communion Sunday, so we're going to do communion at the end of the service a little bit differently, uh, and uh, we'll tell you about that when we get there. All right, back to the future, talking about believers and the Holy Spirit. How many of you are believers? Okay, and uh, so that's good. And when we're talking about this, since we're looking at this message today, it's really a very uh, simple one, and it's one that has um, uh, a lot of themes that are so, so important to us. Some that we'll, we will look at the passage of Scripture. Some will just be for you to look at later. But first of all, as we're talking about back to the future, we're focusing again that, that the foundation of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with what we sang about this morning, our, our relationship with Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome in our, our daily lives. And as a matter of fact, we're desperate for that. You know, that that's all part of who we are and what the Lord has in us. First of all, when we're talking about being believers, believers are, are birthed by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what we sometimes will call salvation or other things such as that. The Gospel of John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, you have this in your notes, says that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So we're talking about as believers, we're talking about as, as Christians, as those that are followers of the Lord, we have to understand that that relationship um, begins in what we call a new birth. It's where literally we undergo a, an incredible exchange of where the Lord comes in our hearts and in our lives and Jesus comes in there and doing that and he begins to not only bring his presence but the presence of the Holy Spirit's there and we're going to really focus upon that as we go through that, as we said, John 3, 5 through 6, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. The spirit gives birth to spirit. By the way, I didn't, didn't mention it, but if there's anyone that hasn't been baptized and would like to do that, uh, Kathy will be back here next week. Let us know, and we'll get that set up for our uh, 4th of July party, too. It's always good to do that, along with the burgers and dogs. We have all that will be free for you in there as well. But be sure to, uh, to be coming. If you know someone that needs baptized in water, we'd love to do it there. All right, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of the water and spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Romans 8, 
and verse 9 says this, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. As a matter of fact, I kind of added one little phrase to this, because when we're talking about the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is the heart of the Lord. And, it, and it's not just, it's, it's wrapped up in what we've been singing about, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the, the anointed, the released coming of the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our lives. You know, and if we don't have the Spirit of Christ, then we don't belong to Christ. And literally what we have, what individuals have that don't, don't have, haven't experienced uh, a salvation time and a, a new birth by the Holy Spirit, you know, and entering into the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, that sort of thing that are available in that, that sometimes what we see is we see instead a spirit of antichrist. And as I was praying about this this week, and, and really not just this week, but in the last several weeks, because I'm sure like you, it's been very disturbing seeing the, the trends and direction of our nation, both in, in what's been legislated, but just there's been so many things, horrible things that have happened in of where, you know, people have been shot and killed and there's been racial warfare and there's been so many other things that are happening. And guys, we, we need to pray above everything else that goes on. And, we, we, you know, hopefully I'll give you a pretty good message today, but we really need to be praying for our nation. We need to be interceding. We need to be crying out. You know, we, we need to come early on Sundays and just really cry out to God for his mercy and his grace. Because one of the things that, that seems to be coming painfully home. As you look across the nation, as you look at different, different studies that I've done, is that the younger generation, it seems like that with only some exceptions, we've almost lost. That their, their mindset and their ideas of what's right and what's wrong, you know, for some reason, and all we can say is it's, we were the generation that raised them. You know, we didn't sow enough seed or water enough seed and we need to pray. We need to cry out for that. We need to cry out for God's presence and for his anointing and for, for, for the Holy Spirit to fall afresh upon our kids and our young people and those that are, that are coming up now and the, the school systems and so much of them and the universities now are, are literally tilted in such a strong, strong way against Christianity, against, against believing in the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. It's just like the, that it's incorporated into our culture now. But we have to not be afraid and not be um, uh, discouraged on that. We have to understand that we have a challenge that's before us, and that challenge is to bring the gospel, to bring the good news, to bring the healing and the power and the anointing and the presence of the Lord Jesus wherever we are. Because that's greater than any doctrine. It's greater than any legislated law. It's greater than, than anything else we encounter the presence of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus did it all the way to the cross. Hopefully, we don't have to go to the cross. You know, maybe not physically, but I think in some ways, we're going to have to let the Lord deal with some things in our hearts and our lives and give us hearts for those that are there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 says, No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the whole thing. I mean, we kind of break this down, you know, that, well... You know, we accepted the Lord as our Savior, and that's one step, and that's true. You know, and then we, we talk about where does it fit in on, on the Holy Spirit. Well, the truth is, is that in salvation, when we ask the Lord Jesus to come into our, our hearts and our life, at that time, the Lord Jesus is there. I mean, we've been, the scripture that we 
are the phrase that we use is what? We've been born again. You know, and sometimes you have people that seem like they've been born again again. You know, the, I don't know if I meant the first one didn't take or whatever else, but just that whole thing of that, that time of giving our hearts to the Lord. I remember the first time that I really ever experienced um, a pull of the Holy Spirit on my heart before I was a Christian. My parents had taken us to a James Robinson crusade and um, went there and, and listened to the music and the worship and then James spoke. And I remember when he spoke and people went down to the field that I felt this incredible pulling and tugging on my heart and on my life. I didn't go down, but I was just, I was just there. I was like, oh, what is this? I knew it wasn't just an emotional thing. I knew it wasn't just getting caught up in a moment. I could literally feel the presence of God tugging at my heart. And I tell you, it wasn't until just a car wreck that my parents had that we were involved in uh, that came a few weeks later and something else that the Lord quickly invaded our lives and we gave our hearts to the Lord and then on top of that, we were later very quickly filled with the Holy Spirit in that. And God wants to do that afresh. He wants us not to have wrecks and not just to have, you know, get into that kind of trouble, but he wants to continually fill us with his presence, fill us with who he is, fill us with his anointing in that process. He wants to bring, as we said, that empowering by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11 tells us that Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we have, and I don't know that we will this time, but if we had any water baptisms that we're doing at our upcoming Fourth of July party, you know, that that's one of the things that we, we talk about is that, that in, in doing water baptism in this, that we're, we're baptizing and, and the person goes into water and comes up and it's symbolic of giving their hearts to the Lord in a new walk and a new life. And that's one phase. That's kind of like the entry into the door. It's entry into the door of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But then the Lord brings another place in which even beyond that, that we're being empowered by the Spirit, and that Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. You know, that we have a baptism of his presence, a baptism of, of his love, a baptism of, of insight and a power and anointing that comes that he gives to us. And again, that's just so important in our lives as believers in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I wonder that we experience these things in some cases, some of us, you know, not just days, weeks, months, years, but decades, and that's as far as I'm going. You know, but, but it's been a while since we experienced those things, and we need to understand that those should be fresh with us every day. That every day we should, it's, it's almost Lord Jesus, thank you for the new life that came in salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the for the anointing and the freedom and the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that came when, when beyond just the new birth that you came and, the, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit came into my heart and my life. Thanking the Lord for that and just really remembering in that and celebrating that. And that's part of what this message, or large part, what this message is about today is that God's empowering us again and, re and releasing to us again a fresh baptism, which literally meant going under the water, and this is going under the presence of God. Say, God, come and fill us afresh with your presence, with your power. Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power, and again, we've, I've told you before, the Greek word for that is dunamis, and that literally means dynamite. You know, when the Lord comes to us, he doesn't give us a junior Holy Spirit. You know, he doesn't give us a junior this or junior that. He gives us the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that's powerful, 
the Spirit of God that's like dunamis, that it's explosive and carries an incredible anointing. If we focus on the events of our culture, if we focus on the events of our society and our nation, what's happening here, what's happening around the world, we can entertain and almost invite a spirit of fear to come upon us. And along with that, it's inviting just this whole thing of, of where we, it's hard for us to believe because we're so focused on darkness that we don't, don't realize or don't remember that all that darkness versus light is, is turning on the light. And when the light comes on, it's no contest. The darkness has to go. And we need to remember that. Jesus has placed in our hearts and our lives his light. And we don't need to hide his light. We need to let the light show and the light shine. And to be able to, even if we're afraid that people can be offended or hurt or whatever else. So we have to love people enough to take the risk of faith to reach out and touch their hearts and lives. Even if at the risk of being offended and anything else that comes at, out of love, we need to bless other people in, that are around us. The example of Peter. You know, Peter went from an impulsive betrayer. Remember that? He, he did that with Jesus. He was, literally was a betrayer there. But after he was filled with the Holy Spirit and after the day of Pentecost came and he kind of stood up and were, I kind of almost picture him before having slumped shoulders because he was so ashamed. But now when the Holy Spirit came, it's like, his shoulders came back, and he, and he had a fire in him. He had an anointing in him. He had a confidence in him. He had the power and the presence of God that was in him because he was a believer filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that, that he does this, and you can just see the incredible difference that, and you can, look that, you can look that up in Scripture. It talks about that instead of betrayer, now he's a confident, powerful, bold apostle. One of the leaders on the day of Pentecost, I mean, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute, but on the day of Pentecost, he was just telling everybody what was happening. He said, this wonderful message, this is that. Remember that message? You know, this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. You know, and that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing what God has told us for centuries and decades and decades and centuries leading up to this time that this day was coming. The prophet Joel had prophesied about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter was confident with his shoulders back. He said, this is that. This is what we studied. This is what we looked at in all the manuscripts. This is what Jesus talked about. This is the manifestation of the Spirit of God and the presence of God, the anointing of God that we need to embrace and that we need to give away to others that are there. The power to be a committed and effective believer is found in releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me read that again. The power to be a committed and effective believer is found in releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I think that needs to be ongoing. John Wimmer, the founder of the Vineyard, used to, this is a phrase we talk about, but maybe not enough. He used to always talk about this, that in the things of the Spirit of God and the relationship with God, that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You know, it's like, let's just talk about, you know, let's talk about we, we start planning and doing another outreach where we go to the boardwalk or, you know, or somewhere that's not flooded, you know, unless you have the anointing for walking on water. But I, I don't, I don't um, encourage you to do that in flood season if you've never done it before. And we do need to be praying, not seriously, because there's, as I understand it, a couple more feet coming back down. And it's not supposed to be as bad, but my goodness, I would think anyone that 
gets flooded again, it's bad. So we need to really be praying for those in that process. And I'll see back where I was. So God's called us to focus upon RSK, taking the risk of faith, stepping out. You know, so if we were going to have you know, an outreach to, to the boardwalk or outreach to somewhere else or, or this or that, and we've done that before, you know, it is a risk. It's a risk when you're, if you decide what you're going to do is try to give encouraging words, that is prophetic words, or if you're going to maybe ask someone if you could pray for them, that sort of thing. I mean, that, that's scary. When why is it scary? First of all, it's scary because we think we'll be what? Rejected, okay? And, um, and we think, oh, no, this is going to offend them. You know, I don't, I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's like, gosh, you know, they, they could have some condition that if, if believers would step out and we prayed for them and God could heal them, but he couldn't do it because we're afraid it might offend them. Wow. And we need to be loving and kind. But, you know, the last, I remember when we went and we took several out on the, on the, build, on the boardwalk, it was amazing how many people that were open to prayer. And they're right there in the boardwalk with people walking by and everything. I mean, this is the South, guys. You know, we could do it here. That we could lay, we laid hands on people. We prayed for them and we ministered to them. We shared with them. And we just need to do more of that again. That just needs to be our heart. That's, we weren't given the Holy Spirit to put it in a trophy box. We were given the Holy Spirit to change us and to fill us and to take us outward to release that, the presence of the Holy Spirit to others. That's what it means to be believers in the Holy Spirit. Taking the step of faith, R-I-S-K. Romans 8, verses 26 through 27, talks about, I'm going to just read that. Romans 8 and verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, wow, that's a powerful passage. You know, that, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And how, do, how is he able to help us in our weakness? Because he knows our weakness. We might think we hide him from each other, but we really don't. We, might, we try to do that. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus, knows our weakness. He knows those places that are difficult. And it's interesting because it says that when we pray in the Spirit, when the, we use the, whether it's praying in just in English and understanding or praying in the Spirit that was released there in, in Acts chapter 1, that sort of thing, that when we're involved in doing that, that the Lord, there's a new dimension, a new depth that comes in because the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes. And when that Holy Spirit comes, it says that the Holy Spirit of God himself intercedes for us. Isn't that something to think about? That when we're opening the door and we're, we're crying out to the Lord and we're trying to enter into a time of prayer, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, begins to pray for us individually. And that as we're crying out to God, he's interceding with the Father and crying out for us there. You know? And sometimes they think, well, I'd love to hear that conversation. And then I think, no, I don't know if I'd... I'd want to hear all the things he's, you know, the angel is saying, well, this is what he's doing, or whatever, in that. But the wordless groans, 
he says that, it goes, says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for what? The good. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And it goes on from there. And so that's, again, another example that we have of the Holy Spirit empowering us in our prayer life, that even as we pray, as we pray in the understanding and as we pray through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've found that those two can, can kind of flow together because I've found in times that when I'm praying, and, uh, and I don't particularly have an order that I do this in, but, but if I'm praying about an individual or a situation or someone in the congregation or somewhere else that I know, someone that needs help there, that sometimes I can be praying in English and then all of a sudden sometimes the Lord will direct me and I'm praying in the Spirit. And hopefully, whether I'm praying in English or not, that that's somewhat in the spirit there. But that there's, there's that, that God wants to do that. He wants to release that through us. He wants to empower us in our prayer life so that when we're praying, we're not just going through a laundry list, but we're really crying out to the presence of God saying, help, we need help. We need, the, we need your presence. We need your anointing. Like we sang this morning, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our homes. We're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome when we watch TV. That might change our schedule, but anyway, we're welcome. You know, that we're, you're welcome in our presence, and we want to feel welcome in your presence, in that crying out for that. Jude 20. You, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, praying in the language of the Spirit of God that he gives us. And that's one thing, and I've told you this many times in dis- discussing our prayer times, that I've found that when I pray in, in, in English, and, and I do that every day, I have my Bible reading and, and my time that I pray in, in English and intercede for all the needs that I know, all the things that are going on there, prayer lists and different areas, that sort of thing, and I pray for those. But then there's also times that I just pray for others, and I just pray through the Holy Spirit of God and intercede for them. Because I know in those times that the Lord is interceding in a way that I can't. But that's something that I'm very, very committed to doing that and uh, just interceding for other people. All right, Roman numeral number three. Believers are gifted by the Holy Spirit. Gifted by the Holy Spirit. I mean, most of us like Christmas. That is, most of us when we were young and didn't have to pay for it like Christmas. You know, when we grow up and we're on the other side of it, it's like, oh, well, this is expensive. But believers are gifted by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 4 through 11 says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now I want you to understand this. When we read through this, that, that if you've accepted the Lord Jesus and you're a son and daughter, and, um, and especially um, if, if you're moving in the gifts of the, or you, you've experienced the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but even outside of that, it, it's very present. This is very important because it says to each one. It didn't say to the favored ones. It didn't say to those that read this amount of Bible a day or pray this amount or do this or, or were goody-goody for one week. You know, can't be goody-goody for one day. 
in our one thought or something that comes up there after a Pentelot. But what he's showing here is that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit involved gifting. It involved the Lord giving us gifts that were not just for our sake, but for the sake of blessing others. And that's what the church, that's what the body of Christ, and certainly it's one of the huge foundations of the Vineyard Movement, Vineyard Church Movement, is that we, are, we have been anointed or empowered to serve and release the anointing and the presence and the power of God. So it says, verse 7, to each one, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one given through the Spirit is a message of wisdom. Uh, this is NIV. I think originally the King James there would have said a, um, a word of wisdom. And that would be simply that if you're ministering to someone or you're talking to someone, where the Lord just kind of drops down a, a nugget of understanding and that you are giving them a word, whether it's a word of encouragement or a word that's a, a supernatural word, something they didn't know or prophecy, that sort of thing, but you release that. Eight says, one, there's given a, a spirit of a message of wisdom, and that we'd call a word of wisdom. And a word of wisdom, a lot of times, the way I like to look at word of wisdom is that a word of wisdom sometimes helps us to understand what a word of knowledge means. You know, that, that it's something that the word of wisdom comes to us so that we can understand um, what, we've, what we've already seen or to help us understand how to implement what the Lord has in that. Um, to another means by the same spirit, faith by the same spirit. And, you know, to do the things of God, to step out, we have to step out in faith, don't we? You know, we, we, we have to understand, we have to believe that, that when we step out and, and we take the risk of faith to step out to someone, that it involves some faith. It may in, involve some rejection, but that's okay. You know, we, we just need to be willing to do that. To another, gifts of healing. And that doesn't mean just being a doctor or something. It's talking about that the Lord will release to the body of Christ the ability to lay hands upon one another and pray for one another and to release physical, emotional, spiritual healing. And I think this is something that in the body of Christ that is becoming more and more neglected across even in spirit-filled churches. It's something that, that is our heritage, that is our birthright, that we need to cry out to God for. That, you know, that, that on Sundays, if you're here and you've got a pain or you've got a hurt, and I don't care if you've been prayed 722 times for it, you know, that, that the Lord, you know, 723 might be the, the time that opens it up, but that we're willing to pray for one another, to intercede for one another, and to release healing to one another because if we can't do it in this setting, how are we going to do it on the street? You know, because this is a safe place. You know, if it's not safe, we'll get someone to make you safe. You know, but it's, it's a safe place. So we have to do that. That God wants to release healing in our midst. Another miraculous powers, usually the difference between just healing and miraculous powers is where something, you know, literally uh, grows that wasn't there. It just, it's just a whole different dimension of that. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing or discerning of spirits, to another speaking in different kind of tongues, to another interpretation of that. All these work the same, the one and the same spirit, and the Holy Spirit distributes them to each one just as he determines. You know, it's, it's, sometimes it's funny because, y'all, how many of y'all experienced Christmas before as a child? How many of you are alive or listening or telling me the truth? Yeah, everybody has, okay, in that. And that, um, let's see where I was I going with this now. Oh, y'all were so stunned looking. <laughs> so the, what did I ask on that? 
Let's see here. Okay. It was a good point, too. But you don't want to tell me. Okay, we'll look at it. We'll, it'll come back to me a bit. Okay, let's just let's skip down to Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Let's go there. Romans 12. Romans 12, 3 through 8. He writes and says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, sometimes we have the other problem. You know, it's not a matter that we don't think of ourselves more highly or with sober judgment. It's that we think of ourselves less highly, you know, and that we don't look at ourselves in the way that Jesus does in that. For just as each of us has one body with many members, the members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though, we have one body, each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's in uh, accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. Show mercy, do it, dil do it cheerfully. See, these are all things that are wrapped up in our, you know, being believing believers in doing that is to, to do what the Lord has called us to do. You know, the gifts are given through us to the body of Christ, the unchurched, to bring about the works and the advancement of the kingdom of God. You know, the gifts are not given to us just so that we will look good. The gifts are not given to us just that people will go, wow, that's amazing. You know, that, that they could hear this or they could see that or, the, or this happened or that happened. And, and, and we just need to remember it's all the gifts of the Lord. None of us have the gifts in and of ourselves. It's all through the gifting, anointing, and power and presence of the, of the Lord that comes to us via the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in our hearts and in our lives. Number I mean, four, believers live and are led by the Holy Spirit. We should, our lives should be, you know, literally, the life that we live should be in the presence and acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. And I just think that's something the Lord is really, really pressing me and the last few weeks and for us as a body is the, and really even in the singing of the songs today and everything is that we really need to press into our heritage we need to really press into who we are and what we're about and and to realize that that is our power that is what our strength is no matter what's happening in our culture that is there can change hearts and lives if we'll press in to do that living and and being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5 says this, Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Does anybody here have a wandering mind? Okay, the rest of you are going to talk about honesty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the truth is we do have minds that wander, don't they? We do have minds that, you know, forget things and, and that sort of thing in, in that. But we have to understand, it says that those that live in accordance with the Holy Spirit, that one of the reasons they can, they can live in accordance or live under the, the direction or live under the, 
a good phrase here, word that just came to me, living under the tutorship of the Holy Spirit, okay? The way that we can live under the tutorship of the Holy Spirit is by setting our minds on what the Holy Spirit desires and what, what he's showing us and what he's teaching us. It's something that we have to focus on. It's something that we have to, you know, the phrase I've used over and over, I used it again this morning with someone, is that, you know, we focus on, we make room for, we make room for, we empower. And that can be a negative or it can be a positive. And we just have to really focus on the things of the Lord and allow the presence of the Lord to do what he wants to in us and through us. We live our lives as believers in tension. You ever feel that way? That it's like we're trying, that it, there's a tension there that's it's like sometimes hard to know what to do, what to say in that. The tension that I have written down here is the tension of walking by faith and not slipping back into our old thought patterns and ways of non-Christian living. And I'm not just talking about casual believers or, or, or young believers or whatever else. I'm talking about, you know, 60-plus people like me, you know, or, or up and down from that that we still have to understand that whatever our age and whatever our experiences with the Lord, that there's a tension that we have in that, that we have to walk by faith no matter how long we've been with the Lord, no matter how much we've seen. Sometimes in, in charismatic or spirit-filled circles, I'll hear this phrase, yep, been there, seen that, done that. And what I, what I really realize what happens is that, and this is just so characteristic of, of churches and, and of individuals, of all of us, is that you have huge swings. You know, you have where something's really happening here. So everybody wants to get there because that must be where it's happening. And then it's like, oh, no, it's over, over here. So you go there. And it's like it, Scripture talks about that signs and wonders are supposed to follow where? Us, right? But what do we do? We try to find the signs and wonders and chase after them. And it's not, I mean, I've been to a lot of conferences, and if, if the glory of God, you know, camps over here somewhere on this campus, that would be a great miracle, but it'd be great, you know. I mean, if the glory of God just fell and a revival, you know, a Wesleyan revival or something broke out here, I'll be here every day that they let me in the door. You know, I'm, I'm really for that. But we need to understand in that process is that, that God wants us to take the gospel out, to take the anointing out, and to do that, you know, is to to deal with our thought patterns, deal with the things that, that are keeping us from following after the Lord, what he has for us. Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26. Believers produce the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the sinful nature. Now, the truth is, is that too many times, what people, the reason people are not excited about church and they're not excited about becoming parts of churches and parts of, of other groups and that sort of thing is because that what they've seen and what they think they've seen, what they've been told by others, is not something that really lines up with what Scripture says anyway. You know, it's not something that, that is encouraging them and is, is speaking truth and love to them and helping them in that whole process. You know, because we're to produce the fruit of the Spirit and not the, the fruit of sinful nature. And so many times, um, and um, you know, have, have you ever noticed how quickly the media is to pick up on if a pastor or someone that's kind of has notoriety or, you know, country famous or world famous, when they get into trouble or something happens or they do something, have you just noticed how fast everyone jumps on them? 
You know, and it doesn't mean because, I mean, it, when, we, when someone in prominence sins, sometimes I'm really glad that I'm not in prominence. You know, but when, when someone does something, it doesn't just hurt that person. It hurts everyone that had, it hurts the body of Christ. And we see that so many times. We see it over and over and over. But it's not something we should be condemning or angry about, but therefore the grace of God, what? That's where we're in the same pattern. We get in the same place. You know, there's so much that are there. And we, we hear things that happen, and, and, and it's so easy for us to get caught up in a spirit of criticism and to be angry at others for, for sinning, and because of their sin, now it's bringing a, you know, a dark, dark patch on the body of Christ. Well, the truth is, I'm glad that God doesn't just, you know, one day bring a big sheet up and list and show everything that all of us are doing anyway. You know? If I announced that, do you think anyone would come to church that Sunday, including me? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, to have, have everything, you know, not just on the national media, but just before everybody, of this, you may not have ever said or done this, but you thought about it. Oh, wait, you mean thinking is, is, can be a problem? Yeah, you know, we can, we can do that. And it's not a day to, to, to be beat down, but it's a day to understand that God wants our hearts to be pure. He wants our lives to be pure. He wants us to pray for our nation. Oh, my gosh. Pray for our young people. Pray for them and for God's in-breaking there. Pray for our nation in light of, uh, of recent events and, and, and what's coming in the days to come. We need to be people of prayer. We don't need to go hide in a bush somewhere. We need to let the light of God shine through our hearts and love to others in that. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, believers produce fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the sinful nature. Roman numeral 5, believers are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually filled. I, I remember during one, one renewal, there was a song, I think a guy named David Roos wrote the, the, the chorus, the song, but it was, the whole idea of it was take another drink. But it, in the, lest you don't understand that, this was in the very highest um, intentionality there. It wasn't just talking about, you know, getting drunk on wine in excess. It's, you know, scripture references that as well. But he was talking about that in our hearts and our lives, continually drinking from the cup of the Lord's presence. You know, that we're continually thirsting after God, thirsting after Him and desiring Him and so we're, we're drinking of that and that we're watching what we're partaking. You know, the, the Lord's just been really... You know, speaking to me, I'm just like anyone else. You know, I have thoughts and ideas and attitudes that sometimes are just really, really bad. And it's like, you know, there but the grace of God go I. And so we need to all just say, Lord, would you wash us? Would you cleanse us? We're going to take communion in just a few minutes. You know, would you just wash and cleanse us afresh by your presence, by your power in that? As we said, Roman numerals 5, believers are continually filled. You know, I just pray, Lord, fill us today. Fill us again. And that's why in my prayer time, I pray every day, Lord, fill. So the old, old chorus we'd sing, Come, Holy Spirit. We sang it today, the other chorus. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in this place. We want your presence in that. Wrapping up, Acts 2, 1 through 4, the early believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, released in the gifts of the Spirit. Acts 4, 28. After praying and seeking God, the disciples were filled again with the Holy Spirit and power. 
You know, they had initially had on the day of Pentecost they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after the day of Pentecost, they started having 3,000 people saved, you know, and they didn't even have a building for them. Can you imagine that? They, they had church growth without buildings. You realize that some of the churches in the New Testament, oh, let me think if I can remember back that time of studies, were like in the 20 and 30,000 range, and none of them had a, had a building. But they somehow made it, you know, because they would come together in small groups and that sort of thing. And, and besides, you know, their lives were almost at stake in that if they'd had a bigger building anyway. But we need, we need to understand that God's called us to, to seek after him. The disciples began to go and to pray for others, minister to others, and as they did, they were attacked and, the, and they were brought up for trial and they, were, and they were threatened. And so they came back and they said, oh God, you know, we don't want to pull back. You know, we don't want to, to not do what you called us to do. And so they just cried out for God to, to come and to do that and, and to release his power again. And he did in the disciples once again, the Holy Spirit fell again in that. Acts 4.28, after praying and seeking God, disciples were filled again with the Holy Spirit and power. And finally, Luke 11.9-13, ask, seek, and knock once in a while. No, I don't think so. so. Ask, seek, and knock what? Continually. Continually. And not just for the new job, although that's, that's fine, or not just for this, or not just for that. But seek and knock continually for the Holy Spirit and his gifts. You know, that we should just be crying out, not for ourselves, not for our glory, not for any other reason than saying, God, we need your presence. We need your power. We need your anointing. We need your heart and your love and our lives so that we can do what we're called to do, which is to touch individuals and change lives and to touch nations. Oh God, let's pray. Oh God, would you just come now Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your anointing. Fill us, Lord, with conviction for how you've so graciously bestowed upon us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's such great potential and such great anointing and great power that you have through the, through the giving of the gifts of your Spirit. Lord Jesus, would you give us holy boldness? Would you give us wisdom? Would you release in us an anointing? Would you take away the spirit of fear? Lord, would you release for us instead holy boldness that we might in love and kindness go and share your good news, your gospel? Lord, don't let us be convinced that in the time of the society that we are, that it's too dangerous or it's too dark for you to do anything. Oh Lord, it doesn't matter. The darker it is, the light of your presence will make it go away. Holy Spirit, come. Come in your power. Amen.